The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, Typology Tribe, we have a great show for you today. But before we get started, I have a really important announcement for you. As you can probably tell by now, I love hosting the Typology Podcast and For me, learning how we can use the Enneagram to become our most authentic selves is really exciting. Few things are more important, in my opinion, than than knowing and appreciating who we are, improving our relationships, and just simply making the world a better, more compassionate place by becoming more self-knowledgeable people. But as you can imagine, there are costs associated with producing a show that's as you know, well put together as the one we aspire to bring you every week. Like there's the equipment, the time spent recruiting guests, administration, the recording of the show, post-production editing, licensing music, not to mention the cost of my private yoga instructor and the maintenance on my Florida vacation home. But I digress. So today I'm launching a Patreon campaign. Now, if you're not familiar with it, Patreon is a way for you to support content you love on a monthly basis for as little as $1 a month. Did you hear me, friends? $1 a month. You can partner with us to keep typology afloat. All you have to do is go to our Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com backslash typology and select the amount that you'd like to give to us every single month. And in return, you not only receive our undying love and gratitude, you get a bunch of great bonus content as well, which you can learn about at our Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com backslash typology. All right, friends, let's get to our show. Not a day goes by in Nashville when someone doesn't tell you to check out an amazing new artist or band This happens so often that you learn not to pay too much attention until four or five people tell you to scope out the same one. That's how I met today's guest. People kept telling me I had to meet this artist named Ryan Neal, otherwise known as Sleeping at Last, who was writing songs from the perspective of each of the nine Enneagram types. Well, as you can imagine... I was pretty intrigued, so I downloaded and listened to a bunch of Ryan's other songs, and I immediately understood why my friends raved about him. Five or six songs into one of his records, I thought, this guy has got to be a guest on Typology. He's got to come in and specifically talk to us about this intriguing and wonderful project of writing songs from the perspective of each of the nine Enneagram types. Friends, you are in 
for a treat. With no further adieu, let's get to it. Hey, Ryan, welcome to Typology. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk to you. Well, people love your work. And I can I just tell you that you have one of the most beautiful, crystalline, clear, heartfelt voices I have heard in a very long time. Thank you. Wow, that's a huge compliment. Thank you yeah. very much. I mean, you know, you can tell the difference between um, a good singer right? <laughs> and then people who just know how to inhabit the song, you know, they, they are so continuous, like who they are is so continuous with the, with the song that you really sense that they are presenting it out of the deepest place of who they are. And you can feel the gravity difference. And man, you, you're pretty freaking great. Thank you. Jeez. Wow. Making yeah. me feel good. Good. Well, that's our job. <laughs> that's our job. Trying to be encouraging. Now, listen, before we jump into this remarkable project you're doing, tell us about your own Enneagram journey and also the type with which you most identify. Absolutely. So I first came to the Enneagram through my friend Chris Hewerts, and um, he introduced my wife and I uh, about five years ago, and I was incredibly skeptical of anything personality typing. I, you know, I've heard several different other theories and I, I just, for some reason, I always kind of thought, oh, well, that's that's the tool to give you a complex. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when he told me, I was just like, oh, cool, cool. I love you, Chris. That's amazing. Um, but it, it didn't really, uh, I, I, it gave, it, there was validity in the sense that he was telling me about it, but there was, I was still was very skeptical. So, um, but I just kept hearing it echo through different relationships. Every, once you, once I learned it, um, it just kept coming up everywhere in conversations with friends in terms of just something they would say, remind me like, oh, Chris mentioned something that that personality type does this, or, you know, <laughs> there's, there's some sort of, some sort of, uh, all of a sudden there was a language for things that I was hearing and seeing. And, um, that just made me more and more curious. So then I kept, kept bothering him with questions for years and years and, uh, have eventually just completely found this incredible tool. It's been an amazing help in my marriage. It's been an amazing help in just understanding relationships that are important to me in my life. And so, yeah, so it's the Enneagram has been a beautiful awakening and, um, a tool in my life. And, uh, so I, I identify as a Enneagram nine, and uh, um, that's been that's been a fun adventure, <laughs> if you could say. Um, uh, yeah, I like avoiding things. I really do. Um, and I know that that's kind of the caricature of the nine. But it is interesting once you have the words for that. You, I see it show up everywhere in my life, <laughs> and it helps me like self correct. You know, yeah, which is which is a helpful thing. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I have a number of good friends who are super songwriters here in Nashville. We've had a couple of them on. And I think, and this has always been my sort of premise uh, about nines, that when nines are healthy, they are more spiritually advantaged than I think all the other numbers. Oh, I, I like hearing that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and here's why. Because your abilities to see the world through the eyes of every other type. Right, right. And, uh, and, of course, when you're unhealthy, the only number, the only eyes through which you can't see are your own um, as a nine. But 
when you're healthy, that ability is so helpful in the creative process, you know. That's interesting. You, yeah. I, yeah, you're just I you're perched that. at the top of the Enneagram. You know, it's like you have an unobstructed view of what's going on in the world. <laughs> and uh, it really, I think, um, is like a and, – and well, maybe later we'll talk about why I think spiritually advantaged is the – the best description, but if I yeah. could be any number on the Enneagram, it would be a healthy nine. Wow. But I'm a four, which means that I have a great appreciation for your talent, and I envy it all at the same yeah. time. <laughs> right? I love me a four. I love the, me a four. Well, I'm sure in your business, you, you sure meet a lot of them, right? So, Absolutely. So tell me the inspiration behind your decision to write and record some songs about the different Enneagram types. Yeah, so um, as Chris Hewitts took me under his wing and taught me everything that I know about the Enneagram right now, and, and uh, I spent many, many, many uh, hours reading books, and um, I actually got to go to a retreat with Father Richard Rohr, and um, j- j- just been soaking up everything I can about the Enneagram. So I knew that I creatively wanted to do something around that, and it just so happens that the project that I'm currently working on, which is called Atlas, um, thematically over the course of uh, probably about 100 songs when I'm through with it, will basically tell the story of the beginning of all things. So uh, year one was basically the the largest of the things, which is the the beginning of the universe. And then so the songs are thematically structured in that way. And then year two, which is these where these Enneagram songs kind of belong, um, are all about the... Uh, just the development of life and who we are. So Enneagram just felt like this perfect puzzle piece fitting into this project that I was doing. So uh, I've actually, I don't know if I told you this earlier, but I did a three song EP to kind of as a precursor to these nine Enneagram songs um, called the Intelligence Centers, or it's actually called the Intelligence EP. But uh, so those three songs are basically the Intelligence Centers of the Enneagram, which lead to, which lead to the nine types. So I am ecstatic to try to fit uh, everything I've learned in, about these these beautiful nine um, types into into song in some capacity. Yeah, you know we've got some folks out there who are very familiar, you know, veteran students at the Enneagram, and some who are brand new. Can you just help people understand what you mean by centers of intelligence? Yes, absolutely. So uh, there is basically the the heart centers, the head centers, and the gut centers, which I call body centers. Um, and uh, each of the nine Enneagram fit into this triad. Uh, and uh, you will be able to give better language to uh, the meanings behind that. But I had a lot of fun creatively kind of trying to almost uh, take the commonality of each of those uh, groups of three and put them into one song. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, uh, the heart center. Uh, now, we all know that as a, the heart is a center of intelligence, right? Our hearts tell us things about the world and about our experience. And then the gut triad, um, sometimes known as the body triad, uh, of which are eight, nines, and ones. These are people who, when they encounter life, encounter it really at the, I mean, it hits them at the level of the body. You know what I mean? Like, And these are gut instinctual people, and they are doers. I mean, when life hits them, they just start doing before they think or feel, you know, <laughs> which doesn't always <laughs> end true. well uh, for those who aren't very self-aware. And then five, six, and seven, right, we're into that mental or head space, and we know that our, our, our minds tell us stuff. They are a center of intelligence, and so is the body. I forgot to say that. Our body tells us things, right? So um, that's what we meet when we talk about triads. And so when I teach the Enneagram, I actually teach 891, 234, 567 in that order. 
Because I just think learning types in the context of, of triads really helps people identify the type that they feel is m- more like them than any of the others, you know? Absolutely. And that's actually why I put that EP out first, because I felt like it, in, in everything I was learning, that it felt like that was a, a helpful pathway to understanding what the Enneagram is. And so uh, just tell people now, is that is that available for people to hear? Yes, or? it is out now. It is uh, The whole thing is available now on every everywhere digital music is. Okay, and so what's the name of it again? Uh, it's called Intelligence, okay. and um, the first song is Body, second is Heart, and third is Mind. Oh, that's good. I creatively uh, I took some liberties. I, I thought Gut as a song title wasn't quite uh, <laughs> wasn't quite poetic <laughs> enough. So I also didn't like the song called Head, so I <laughs> named it Mind. Right, that's that was a wise decision. <laughs> yeah, I thought so, so. You know, I'm a you know kind of an aspiring songwriter, and I I love I just love language and writing, and I just. For my sake, just tell me what the process was like writing each of these songs. You know, it, it was it's a little bit more intense. I don't want to be so dramatic. You know how you hear it. Oh, go for it. I'm a four. Like when I, go for it. Yes, be dramatic. You, you I'm might all good appreciate with it. this. Oh, yeah. If you want to cry, that's fine too. I'm very empathic. <laughs> I love it. Um, you know how actors sort of like they, uh, it is talked about where they'll inhabit the character so intensely that they'll kind of take on some of their, their traits. And I don't want to be so dramatic as to say that that's what happened. But um, when I've been writing the one song and when I wrote the, the two song, I definitely, it's, <laughs> I did so much research and thinking through what I was trying to say. Because uh, something I probably should have mentioned earlier is I am. I'm writing every one of these songs from the perspective of that type. So I'm not writing it from my perspective as a nine. I'm trying to truly make sense of the world through the lens of a one and through the lens of a two and so on. Um, and it, it was, it was really intense. And one was an interesting place to start for me because it's, um, I, I have fewer, fewer friends in the, in the, as one that identify as one type. So it was a little bit more of a foreign, a foreign group of people, <laughs> a foreign way of thinking. And, um, I, I felt like I finally, by the end of writing it, I find I figured out kind of, what makes them tick? And uh, Chris Hewitt's told me, um, and this this was the kind of the moment that I, I think I understood what ones uh, what ones are wrestling with in in their in their lives, and that is the their their own inner critic is is so loud to them that even if there's any any outward critical nature, it, it is that is so minuscule compared to their inner critic, and that that just gave me this huge amount of like empathy towards the the one type so um that's sort of where i kind of structured the writing of the song but it's it's incredibly fun to see the world through the the lens of these different types as i'm learning about them and there's a couple types i'm nervous about that are a lot more foreign to me i have a lot of eight friends and i'm very excited to kind of channel eight energy since i'm a nine (laughs) time to listen Um, it's time to listen to a little bit more Jay Z would be good, or yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, if you want, or, or Mary J would be good if you're looking for that eight vibe, you know. That's right. That's right. It's totally. As a total side note, I do. I I wonder because I I truly do. My my friend groups break down into primarily eight. Some of my closest friends, and I can't tell if that's because I'm a nine and they think I'm just like entirely not a threat. Right. <laughs> it's like it's like how they feel about animals or children. Well. <laughs> <You know? laughs> They're just like, all right. Don't mess with Ryan. He's not going to do anything about it. It's fine. Um, but so anyway, I, I love I love kind of getting into the headspace of each of these types and trying trying to do them justice. That's the main thing. I didn't want to, as I'm writing these, I, d- I don't at all want to rely on caricature of each type. I wanted to rely on 
the very best, most integrated version of that type from that perspective. And so each each of these songs will try to follow kind of like an acknowledgement. I want I want to hold on to uh, or at least um, bring into the light some of the the flaws of each type. But I really wanted it to be redemption is the is the key and the the focus of every song. Yeah, and you know, uh, as I mentioned to you, if you actually if you listen to the show we did on the panel of nines, there were two artists on it. One, Andy Gullahorn, the songwriter Andy Gullahorn, who is a nine. And I know so many great nine songwriters. And again, I, I'm being repeating myself here, but. I don't know any other number on the Enneagram who would be able to do what you're describing as effectively. Oh, really? That's awesome to hear. Because I, I do, I, I, as, as I started it, I worried. I'm like, okay, as I'm, as I'm trying to be as authentic as I possibly can with each of these types and truly serve and honor um, the beauty of each type, I was like, oh, I'm still a nine. I'm just, I'm, I hope I'm not bringing too much nine energy to into, <laughs> into each of these types. Well, because you have this ability to see uh, the world through the eyes of every number. See, that's that that really advantages you in this process. Now, I will be interested, and we'll have you on the show another time. Uh, have you written the song about nines yet? You know, I haven't. I'm doing them in the order, so they will come out pretty much uh, right after I finish each one. And I'm I'm up to three right now, so um, I finished one and two. And uh, the nine song, a, a friend of mine was like, "Yeah, you're never you're never going to get around to finishing that one." And like, <laughs> I don't know. My yeah. whole career is nine songs, so I just pull one of those. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I mean, I think what will be interesting is to see if, in the end, that becomes the most difficult song for you to write because typically nines don't see the world through their own eyes but no they don't from it's other true. people's perspectives not their own i've read this a few places but i do feel like it is very true that nines are asleep to their own problems and it, it which is funny cuz uh, as an example i was i was at this retreat with father richard Rohr, and um he was teaching uh, there's probably about 12 of us and walking through each of the types and i noticed that as he was explaining each of the types and kind of the the heartbreak of, of you know the heartbreaking flaws and the and the the best parts of each type that most people if they didn't know what type they were or even if they did they just had this um it's almost devastating to learn your enneagram type and i remember uh, even chris hewitt's telling me that uh you know you'll know your type when when it hurts the most as you're reading through the descriptions and you're reading more about it which everyone you you truly you know feel is cutting deepest that's that's you and i always felt like maybe i was doing the enneagram wrong because <laughs> i'm like nah yeah that's me and, and, but it, i think the reason that i don't have that devastating reaction to is because i'm totally asleep to my problems oh. <laughs> so i'm just like oh yeah whatever i can deal with being a passive person <laughs> right <laughs> you know, i can yeah. be passive about my passivity i didn't so really it, feel i didn't really feel shame, even though I'm in that shame heart triad, you know, where the dominant feeling I think is shame. But what I felt was typical of a four, which was just a terrible sadness, you know, almost like, first of all, you know, I'd been exposed, which is never comfortable because actually that is the fear. The great fear of shame is exposure. Yes. Uh, that's and the not, is this great spotlight. <laughs> it is. And yet I felt so consoled um, because as a four, I really felt like, oh, this is in one area of my life I would really enjoy not feeling unique and special. Like it's so good to know that there are other people who think as wacky as I do um, in the world. Yeah. And I know for me too, the more I learned about the nine, I, I mean, actually probably within this last year, I'm starting to finally come around to seeing like, oh my gosh, like the trouble of the nine is is this like, you know, the weakness and the 
the the problem of the nine all of a sudden started to kind of unearth a little bit as I'm learning more and more about the Enneagram. Um, so I'm, I'm, it's like a delayed reaction to that devastation. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of like, I'm getting, I wouldn't call it shame either, but I feel like it's more, it's more of like a, like, okay, I see it. I'm, I'm starting to wake up a little bit and I'm starting to be like, uh, I, I see how that affects the world around me and how uh, that's that's not necessarily a, an integrated or healthy way to look at the world around me either. So, so I'm, I'm a slow learner, but it's it's coming together. <laughs> I want to remind our listeners that today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you choose from over 1,500 licensed therapists. You can get matched with your perfect therapist who can put you on the path to a happier life and to becoming your best and truest self. For a special offer for our listeners, visit Talkspace.com forward slash typology. That's Talkspace, T-A-L-K-S-P-A-C-E dot com forward slash typology, T-Y-P-O-L-O-G-Y. What I'd like to do is give folks a taste and listen to an excerpt or maybe the whole song. Is that okay? Or are we just going to play an excerpt? No, you play the whole song. I'd be honored. So this is the song one, which is about perfectionists. I listened to it several times this morning. I read the lyrics a couple of times. So we'll, we'll, when it's done, we'll, we'll get a chance to talk about it. And you wrote about ones first because you were just going in order. That's... I thought, you know, people that aren't familiar with the Enneagram, I like the the, the sequence of one through nine. It just made it because basically the songs are titled, you know, one O N E spelled out um, through nine. And I figured if 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 you're unfamiliar, I wanted it to still have some uh, still make sense. So I thought like, okay, these are songs about the numbers. Mm. <laughs> these are just numbers in order. Yeah. All right, folks, let's listen to this song one, and then we're gonna come back and just talk about the lyrics. Hold on for a minute Cause I believe that we can fix this over time That every imperfection is a lie Now hold on, let me finish No, I'm not saying perfect exists in this life But we'll only know for certain if we try Time. 
First of all, I mean, you 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 are just I mean, just the quality the, the you know it is I think it's the tenderness and the vulnerability in your voice. Um you like a four, I think. In some ways you help people navigate the dark straits, the narrows and straits uh that we 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 have to find ourselves in this life. I want to talk a little bit about a couple of lines in here that I really loved. Um, and one was the one here about I've spent my whole life searching desperately to find out grace requires nothing of me. If a one's going to cry, it's right there. You know what I mean? <laughs> so That's kind let's of, yeah. talk about that with ones. Like grace is a hard concept for them to wrap their head around, isn't it? It did seem like that was the word that um, that maybe was the, the least – in view for the for the one type um and as i was thinking about like how how it must feel to to have that inner critic be um be as loud or as um intense as it is like you you just i feel like the word grace is it 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 maybe makes its most sense uh in in context of the one and how how they um how they experience life and what they desperately want whether it's through uh, earning it or um, just trying to do their very best to, to pull their their personal world together. Um, I, Grace just felt like this word that was uh, kind of the, the, the theme. I'm so sorry. Can you hear my two-year-old daughter? She's working on her first track. Everyone's going to hear <laughs> and love your two-year-old daughter. So she, t- this is about two or three days ago, she, I'm, and I'm not kidding. I think she's actually writing her first song. She's two and a half, and so the lyrics are: "There's a lot to do, and there's a there's a not to do." Oh, <laughs> and that's and that's it. And it might be to the melody of Frozen a little bit, but we're not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell her that because <laughs> I know how it feels when somebody tells me one of my melodies might be a uh, reminiscent. Yeah. I, I had a friend of mine who's a songwriter, uh, and he said. I was driving my car and I just had this amazing idea for a song and I went home and I worked on it for 30 minutes and I realized it was Hey Jude. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I've had that happen so many times. Yeah, I, oh. I've, I've 
written Beatles songs. I've written, uh, you know, a couple of U2. So I've, I've, I've had some really great ideas that other people may have had many years before me. <laughs> well, you know, we all stand on the shoulders of giants. And sometimes it's true. Sometimes, it's true. you know, doing something that mirrors another artist is a great form of comp, you know, a great compliment to them, you know? Absolutely. So another couple of lines in here. Um, this is the chorus. I want to sing a song. This is the chorus, right? I, my my choruses are sort of uh, they sound like verses. <laughs> Let's be uh, honest. <laughs> uh, what was the one that was? I want to sing a song worth singing. It's got a little. It's got a little bit more chorus going on right. for sure in that one. Yeah, I want to sing a song worth singing. I'll write an anthem worth repeating. I want to feel the transformation, the melody of reformation. If I were a one and I heard that, where would that land for me? What I was trying to do, um, especially with the word anthem, an anthem worth repeating, I loved, as I was originally, before I even had a, a single melody in my head, I kept thinking like, okay, musically, what is a, what is, what is the most one version of, or genre of music I could think of? And for some reason, the theme of West Wing <laughs> and the theme of, uh, I think is Newsroom, so both Sorkin uh, <laughs> written TV shows, and I kept feeling like, okay, that there's something, there's something to that, and and I think what the quality is is it's anthemic, and the ways that ones rally um, around a cause and around um, their ideals. I just felt like, okay, so I want to sing a song worth singing, write an anthem worth repeating, which is I want to, I, I want my life to leave a, some sort of trail behind it in, as a legacy. Um, yeah, I think on that on that one thing. You know, these are the, the perfectionists at their healthiest, you know, like Atticus Finch, which I use in our book. You know, these are people who are so principled and so ethical and so moral in their way of being in the world and when they're at their best. And so I think what I'm hearing you say here is a little bit like, you know, for them, their lives are, are centered around the melody of reformation, of of wanting to bring transformation to the world, and you just hope that they don't deteriorate from wanting to improve the world to wanting to perfect the world. So, Ryan, I mean, like I know when I write books, I, I have in mind, particularly at the end, not at the beginning, but more toward the end, you know, some hopes about what the work how it will affect people. You know, yes, now, for sure. Of course, there's always what's called the unintended consequences of publishing, right? So you, you write a book and then you, you put it out there and you, you, you were hoping for people to respond one way and then what you discover is, is that, oh my gosh, like they saw things in it that I did not see when I wrote it and, and they're fixating on, on ideas and themes in the book that I had no idea people would. I thought, you know, that would go right by them or they actually revealed to me parts of the book I hadn't seen, you know, that... As I wrote it, so what? What are your hopes for these songs as you finish them? Like, what? What do you want them to do in the world? I mean, in a, in an entirely ideal uh, world, I would love for for the one types in the world to be able to hear this song and have it give voice or give language to what it might look like to be their healthiest self and to. Um, I mean, especially in this one, to you know, with the lyric that grace requires nothing. Of of me, I, I feel like that's that's really what I would love if somebody could go away feeling that way. And I th I think that that's a that's a theme that can be carried through every single enneagram type. I think grace is a huge is a huge word. Um, it it felt particularly uh, associated to the one to me, but at the same time, like to hear that you, you're doing all right, <laughs> it's a big message to to and a big emotion to feel. So I'm I'm hoping that somehow it will give. Uh, give language to that, that it is true. I mean, I, I think that 
the ones are are loved for who they are, you know. And I I, I think that that's such a it's such a bummer if you can't if you can't recognize that. Mm, yeah, it seems to me that every type, you know, we all carry wounds. I don't care how charmed your childhood was. I don't care if you you know grew up in this perfect family. Air quotes. You know, we all carry wounds. It's just a matter of living in a busted world, you know. And and this is not parent blaming. It's just the fact of the matter is that, you know, uh, whether they're real or perceived wounds, you know, like, um, but the fact of the matter is that we tend to organize our personalities around those wounds, you know. And each of the types for me represents sort of a happiness strategy, as Thomas Keating would, would put it, that, you know, we think to ourselves, well, if I'm just perfect, then I'll be happy. Or if you're a nine, it'd be like, well, if I just avoid conflict and go along to get along, well, I'll be happy. <laughs> I'll be happy. And yeah. of course, the very thing that you use to to uh, get happiness, right, in each of the types is the very thing that frustrates the possibility of your actually achieving it. Yep, it's so true. So I think one of the lovely things about this song, and I, I, I'm sure with the others, is is that it will bring a word we don't use very often, consolation. Yeah. You know, the that's a Ignatius came up with that. And I think it's such a powerful word. And another phrase I use and uh, just did in a podcast we recorded earlier today, which I hope people can pick up on, which is the development of unconditional self-friendship mm-hmm. en route toward their own healing and their own, you know, cause, because as you know, shame is a terrible motivator. Oh, Absolutely. So, you know, uh, that's what I'm hoping for. So I'm curious, and of course, be as self-disclosing as you choose, um, but did you have a moment on your Enneagram journey that evoked grief for you, that where you really felt a sense of loss and grief? Yeah, um, there's. I wouldn't say there was one particular moment, but there's been a lot of moments that that brought that to my front door. Um, I would say, I mean, what's beautiful about the Enneagram is that you put on this lens and you start to see your, your past through it as well as your future and your hopes and your dreams and, um, and your present obviously. And, um, for me looking back and been like, Oh my gosh, all of these, all of these things worth fighting for that. I wasn't up for the fight. And that, that kind of thing is a little bit, I wouldn't say it's devastating, but it was it it, it has brought me uh, a lot of encouragement to do the right thing around the second time, and so for me uh, that definitely the, the enneagram, like I said, brought that to my front door. So I've been I've been processing that and um, and recognize that, especially with with uh, with having a new family. Um, as I mentioned, I have two little girls, and um, that's where I'm starting to to really want to. I guess wrap my head around that and um and not lean on my uh tendencies to avoid and lean on my uh uh passive nature and I want to I want to be able to fight for the right things. Hmm. Well, you sure sound like a healthy nine, brother. Oh, I don't know. I I'm I definitely am wanting to be one. <laughs> Does that count yeah. for something? Well, like me, you're probably bouncing in, out of health to unhealth oh, know, absolutely. multiple Every times day. a day, right? <laughs> exactly. It's it's, it's it's all about progress, not perfection. Exactly. Know? And as as I wrote the the one song, it was interesting because I I would have said that I had very little one wing uh, as part of me, and um, I, I definitely feel like in better understanding the one, I I see a lot of myself there too. Like it, the 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 intensity of um, 
always second guessing myself and sort of putting myself down internally, uh, which I think I think again all types have have some of those uh, those traits as well. But um, I definitely definitely resonated with that as as part of my my one wing i'm sure um and one th- one thing that i forgot to mention too so the song sings from the perspective of the one and it's it's basically one side of a conversation but it's actually a conversation uh the one is having with the inner critic of the one so if you read it from kind of that perspective um uh i want to sing a song worth singing i'll write an anthem worth repeating it's really starting to convince the worst critic of the one which is their inner critic that um that grace requires nothing of them. And so it's kind of a, uh, it can be read in a couple different angles. So our purpose today was to, you know, highlight the work that you're doing, um, to have people know about the songs. And, you know, we've had a panel of nines on. um, And so people are familiar, if they've been listening to Typology, about just some of the characteristic hallmark features of, of nines and their underlying motivation. I was less concerned today about that because I, I just wanted to jump into the creative side of this thing and, and of course, let people know uh, about it and encourage them to to get it um, when it, it comes out. Now, this is kind of being leaked out, right? You're doing sort of, this is not a yet a comprehensive collection as a release, but coming out one song at a time. Exactly. And that's kind of how I've been doing music for the last uh, last several series. I, 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 rather than albums, they're essentially series and they divide into EPs based on theme. But um, each of the songs come out literally within a couple weeks of me finishing the writing and recording and and uh, that process. So it's it's a really, I mean, creatively fun and exciting way to, to make music for me because it I, the thing that I'm most proud of gets to find the ears of listeners, you know, within days after I'm finished rather than waiting and second guessing it. And <laughs> there's my one wing showing right now um, and, and starting to just be uh, be intense about it. It's, it's It's been this really healthy way of putting out music. So, yeah, so the Enneagram songs will come out one at a time um, starting September 28th. Um, and now you guys were kind enough to play this song here. So it starts here and um, uh, the songs will be coming out in pretty quick succession from here on out. Um, uh, I, I don't have an exact schedule, but they will roughly be released once a month um, over the next nine months. Yeah, in fact, this show is airing on the 28th, so people will be hearing about it that day. And so folks right now uh, who are listening, you can go and get the song that, that you just heard. Which is really exciting, right? I mean, that's uh, technology. Plug and, plug and play, baby. <laughs> We're all about the plug and play, instant gratification. All right, so tell me, because I want people to know, where, where are they going to get this song? Yeah, so sleepingatlast.com is kind of the, 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 the landing spot for everything, but it's available on Spotify, Apple Music, all, all the places that music is. <laughs> right, and I'm assuming that if they go to sleepingatlast.com, they can give their email, sign up on to be part of your email list so that when new songs come out, they'll be able to go grab them pretty quick. Absolutely. And I actually have, as part of this series, um, as I mentioned, Enneagram belongs to my Atlas series. So I do subscriptions for Atlas, which basically you get the song a week or two before it releases. And um, Enneagram is a part of that. So Atlas can be found on sleepingatlast.com as well. You know, I have to say, uh, as my son, my 20-year-old son and I were driving in today, and he has great ears. I mean, he's a a really great instinctive drummer. I mean, he just, it's one of these kids like Jim Keltner, you know, he, oh, cool. he, he can just naturally feel when the pocket needs to get swampy and when it, 
and then other times when he needs to be right on the right on the front end of the pocket, you know, and really on it. And that's awesome, yeah. And and so he's also he's got a very sophisticated palette. You know, he he loves listening to Beethoven. He loves listening to you know Nelson Riddle's um, arrangements on Frank Sinatra songs. I mean, he's 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 a pretty sophisticated ear. And we pl- I played the song Saturn for him, and he was so gripped he's also a brian eno fan you know so yeah that 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 front end beautiful reflective kind of musical or instrumental part it's interesting for a nine you you are very in touch with melancholy (laughs) i I really am which is actually a funny challenge with these enneagram songs because i don't want a, a collection of the sad songs talking about the the worst parts of nine different types of people <laughs> so no, it's really no. holding my hands uh it's it's because I, I i like a sad song and so i'm trying to the redemption that i'm trying to um write into these songs is uh is is making it i can't i can't go quite as sad as i want to but i'm i'm hoping to in the four a little bit <laughs> so just so you know oh yeah t- trust me with four you got no problem okay just find the saddest yes. song you could possibly find and all the fours <laughs> will go thank you <laughs> Thank you. I'm a four. I know. You know, so it, <laughs> it, it's like, you know, you give me a sad song, it's the happiest day of my life, you know. <laughs> it's totally. the more death and, uh, you know, interest in, you know, all things uh, dark, you know. Bring it. I'm, I'm I, taking notes. I'm taking notes. Where are you playing next? Are you playing out these days? I really don't. I, I write and record and uh, in my home studio, and I I, I, I will play shows. I, d- I definitely go out and play, but I haven't officially toured in, in a couple of years now. I've... Uh, but I, I will. It, it, as soon as I think I'm finished with these, these Enneagram songs and Atlas, I will. Uh, I will be back out and getting to play these songs on the road, which will be really fun. Hey, man! I just want you to know how much the generosity of your spirit and your kindness—it's in your voice—but also your talent and using it at the service of other people's journeys in life. You know, um, it, it's to be commended. And, and to be illuminated, that, that work in you, it's clear to me that you are trying to aid people in, in understanding and having compassion for the mystery of their own lives. Wow, thank you. That is seriously, that is incredibly encouraging. Thank you very much. Great. You promise to come back on? I would be absolutely delighted to. Okay, because otherwise I'll come find you. Please do. Please you do. Know, I'll go all eight and I'll go find you. <laughs> Hey, brother, thank you, thank you, thank you. And um, like I said, I want all nine songs so we can we can start off each of our, our shows, you know, as we do those numbers with at least a, a verse and a chorus for people. And thank you for being here on the planet. And uh, I can't wait for us to be together in person. Me too. I'm so looking forward to that. All right. Well, listen, peace and blessings on your family. And we'll talk soon. Great. Thank you so much. So, in England, they have a word. It's gobsmacked. Gobsmacked, I mean, it's like, talk about onomatopoeia, right? A word that sounds like what it's actually trying to express. It means utterly astounded. And today, my time with Ryan Neal left me gobsmacked. I just loved not only hearing his music, but also hearing his heart, which I think is, well, evidently magnificent. I think there are truths which reveal the limitations of human language. And, and when this happens, 
we have to rely on artists to express these great spiritual insights through an alternative language like music or film or the visual arts or dance, whatever it is, we rely on artists to say clearly what the rest of us only feel vaguely. And I want to thank my my guest today, Ryan Neal, for doing just that. So today, I want to remind you, we're launching a Patreon campaign. Patreon is a way for you to support content you love on a monthly basis. And for as little as $1 a month, you can partner with us to keep typology afloat. All you have to do is to go to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com, patreon.com backslash typology, and select the level at which you want to support the show and you will not only receive our undying love, like I said earlier, you get a whole bunch of really great content as well. Bonus stuff that I think you'd really, really enjoy. And of course, you can learn all about that content at www.patreon.com backslash typology. Once again, thank you so much for being part of the typology community. We will be back next week with what I believe will be an amazing show. And until then, remember the words of the great Oscar Wilde, who said, be yourself. Everybody else is already taken.